Sunday's episode of Snitch is about the fearless Berta Cáceres. She was an indigenous and environmentalist woman that fought till her death for her people in Honduras against the biggest gangsters of all, the government. Let's get started. My name is Berta Cáceres Flores. I am from an organization called Council of Indigenous Peoples Organization of Honduras, COPEN. We are the Linka people. We are struggling to defend the rights of indigenous people. We are in resistance, as indigenous people have been for more than 500 years, and we continue to battle modern-day colonialism. Honduras is the most dangerous country in the world for environmental activists, next to its neighbor Guatemala. Between the years of 2010 and 2015, 109 people were killed for their activism against mining, logging, and agricultural projects. Of the eight deaths reported in 2015, six of them were indigenous leaders. Ten deaths totaled Guatemala. Honduras is home to an indigenous population of the Lenca people. Today they stand 100,000 strong, but Honduras is also home to government officials that are notorious for human and environmental rights violations, including the illegal damming project in western Honduras that would harm the Lenca people. It is within this fight to protect the indigenous that we will find Berta Cáceres as the spearhead. Berta Cáceres, a Lenca woman, was born in La Esperanza to Honduran social activist and midwife Berta Flores in 1971. Berta's first experience of activism started out young, by helping her mother care for refugees from El Salvador. During that time, Berta lived through her mother and brother's kidnapping by army colonels. Their house was monitored for more than 10 years afterward. Taking this experience with her, she would apply her humanitarian efforts towards standing up for disenfranchised people. In 1993, she co-founded the National Council of Popular and Indigenous Organizations of Honduras, COPEN. This organization helped to propel awareness and address the threats of illegal logging and the territorial rights of the Lenca people. It was also started because Berta felt that the efforts and revolutionary movements of the 80s did not take Central American struggles seriously. During the 90s, there was no official recognition of indigenous and Afro-descendant people. The Copen organization helped to not only make indigenous people existent to the world, but also resistant to the powers that be. As a result of Copen's organizing, Berta helped to create the first indigenous municipality in Intibuca, San Francisco. The Copen organization's early achievements was forcing Honduras to ratify the International Labor Organization Convention 169 in 1995. This convention started that there must be free, prior, and informed consultation of the indigenous or ethnic communities if the state wishes to pursue a project on their territory. It
The Copen organization's early achievements was forcing Honduras to ratify the International Labor Organization Convention 169 in 1995. This convention stated that there must be free, prior, and informed consultation of the indigenous or ethnic communities if the state wishes to pursue a project on their territory. It's this convention that would have legal standing with its current problem of the illegal damming project of Aguazarca. In 1998, the organization took down the Christopher Columbus statue located in the plaza of the National Congress and replaced it with the statue of Limpira, an indigenous Lenca leader who played a crucial resistant role in the Spanish colonial rule. The statue stands to this day. Through time, Berta knew that her organization and the people it represented would not be able to fight capitalism, patriarchy, and colonialism if they didn't present to other communities of struggle in Honduras and around the world. She exchanged experiences and made relationships with other movements. She showed her sovereignty by speaking out against U.S. imperialism in defiance of Cuba and Bolivarian Venezuela. She never strayed from her roots, though. A Linka-born woman herself, Berta inherently found spirituality through the Guadalcarque River, the same river that would be destroyed by the Aguazarca Dam project. The cultural aspect of this river has roots in Linka myth of the female spirit, being able to run and flow freely. This river was also supplying much of the food source for the Linka people, including fishing and drinking. The river is spiritually and territorially important to those living in that region. In 2006, the community of Rio Blanco came to Copen and asked for help to inquire about a project started in their town. The townspeople witnessed an influx of heavy machinery being brought into the region. This project is known as the Aguazarca Hydro Project. It's currently under construction from the Honduran Energy Corporation, DESA, and consists of a 300-meter-long reservoir and three-kilometer-long diversion channel between the dam and the turbines. A hydroelectric project that would decimate the cultural and spiritual Guadalcarque River and ultimately would push the Linka people out and silence the existence of the indigenous. To combat this project, Berta made the organization stronger by setting up system alerts using different methods of communication and intensifying her spirituality by giving back to the river. This practice also illustrated the importance of the river to the government and helped to reduce fear among the community. The Aguazarca project secured loans from the Dutch bank FMO, Finnish Finance Company, and the Central American Bank of Economic Integration. In 2011, the construction started in full form. As another gut punch to the system, Berta wrote to the FMO Bank in 2013 after the murder of her colleague, Thomas Garcia, leader of the Rio Blanco community. She asked them not to finance Aguazarca as a plea to dispel violence against the community. The loan was granted. During construction, Berta created a human roadblock as an attempt to halt or stop the project. This roadblock was in place for 21 months, and in her words, intensely for 15 months. 
Berta would stay at the blockade for weeks at a time, while community members would stay for a week and rotate. If one person couldn't make the protest, a family member would take their place. Berta states that the crucial element to protect the Gualacarque River was the link of people, their spirituality and tenacity in the struggle, and their solidarity. Protesters were attacked with machetes and detained and tortured and discredited. As a response to her fight with the Aguazarca Dam, she would often get death threats and threats of rape and assault. She faced multiple charges against the country of Honduras, including illegal possession of a firearm and usurpation of land and coercion. The country officials would go on to claim that Berta would cause over $3 million in damages against the hydroelectric dam company, DESA. The threats to Berta's life were so serious that the Inter-American Commission of Human Rights repeatedly called on the Honduran government to protect her. Her sister stated that the help was never provided, along with Berta's claims that she was being harassed by three local politicians sometime around November 2015. They were believed to be affiliated with DESA. The company DESA is partially controlled by the Honduran Atala family, known for its members to be in controversial business ventures, including allegedly backing the Aguazarca coup. The Atala family is best known by acquiring a regional bank, Banco Fecosha, in 2014, that also obtained most of the city bank's assets, making it the largest bank in Honduras. On March 2, 2016, Berta had a colleague and friend, Gustavo Castro, over at her house for an 80-person meeting to discuss alternatives to the Hydro project. He chose to stay there because her accommodations included a better internet connection. And that night, Gustavo heard a loud bang, but didn't have any immediate fear or danger until he heard Berta scream out, who's there? When he arrived to aid Berta, he saw Hitman and proceeded to cover his head. Gustavo moved as the assailant shot at him and Berta and suffered two gunshot wounds in the process, one in the hand and one to the cheek. Berta succumbed to her gunshot wounds and died in Gustavo's arms. Gustavo was subsequently detained by the Honduran authorities and became the principal and protected witness to the murder. Gustavo stated that the Honduran prosecutor's office released a statement linking the company DESA to their line of investigation. This would coincide with statements made from Berta, who believed the death threats and intimidation came from employees of DESA, along with her family, company colleagues, and activists. The government had nowhere to turn or pitch the blame, except to the DESA Corporation. Their hands were tied. To prep the trial of the assassination, the Honduras public prosecutor extracted thousands of call logs, WhatsApp messages, and text messages that led all the way up to the highest-ranking official of the company. In one corporate group chat, the company leaders discussed using their influence to connect with national authorities, state security, and the media. The text group included the president of DESA, Robert Castillo, DESA's board members, and members of the Atala family. 
The way the group chat was structured was by a military-established maneuver called compartmentalization. Its purpose is to avoid infiltrations and avoid compromising information or structure dynamics towards the group. Basically, keeping the decision makers separate from the doers, the executives away from the operatives, to proactively hide the entire criminal cycle. During a demonstration at the Sacred Link of River, Berta's colleague was shot and killed, sparking a clear message and media attention. In one of the conversations, it was stated that the military killed an Indio, which is a racial slur to refer to a man of indigenous descent. Quote, it looks like another of them is dead, end quote. This murder caused a PR emergency for Dessa, and the company proceeded to pay the media outlets who reported the story 1,000 lempiras a week for two weeks, about $82 in USD. While Dessa was bribing the media outlets to maintain the upper hand, Castillo made sure to keep in contact with Berta. He would send her Christmas greetings and Happy New Year's messages while manipulating Berta to obtain information on her activities and whereabouts. Fast forward about a month before Berta's death, text messages show that the murder was the second attempt and the hitmen required more money to carry out the assassination. The chief financial officer spoke frequently with Castillo, whom also spoke with the director of security, who then coordinated with the hitmen. Keeping ties with the assassins loose were deliberate as the highest ranking executives were the Atala family and could not be touched. The executives proceeded to surveil Berta and paid informants to infiltrate her organization. Honduras Supreme Court concluded that Dessa carried out the assassination plan with knowledge and consent without naming anyone specific. Three weeks later, on March 2, 2016, the hitman would try again. A cell phone analysis used in court showed the assassin's cell phones pinging near a tower by Berta's home. Berta would send her last WhatsApp message to an unidentified person. Be careful, please, okay? Kisses. At 11.25 p.m., 14 minutes later, Gustavo began making desperate phone calls on Berta's phone to those closest to her and members of the Copen organization. Quote, This is Gustavo. They just killed Berta. I'm wounded. I'm alone in her house. Tell Salvador. Help me. End quote. They all seemed to garner no response. And at 5.37 a.m., the group chat Dessa was on fire, with one text message from Castillo stating, quote, For us, this is a crisis. We should anticipate what's coming at us. End quote. The group chat also showed texts that sent out a cry for help towards powerful allies. March 7th. 2016. The Honduran Minister of Security wanted to claim that Berta's murder was a crime of passion, as others wanted to claim a simple robbery gone wrong. It wasn't until April that the government would launch an investigation into Berta's murder, while Dessa's PR consultant warned the company to stay quiet about it as to deflect from further agitation. 
Towards the end of April, Dessa's head of security would learn about a protest in Berta's name and tried to formulate a plot with police officers to intimidate protesters and also to in infiltrate the Copen organization and spread rumors and lies to divide and weaken. That same month, prosecutors found a picture of Berta on a cell phone belonging to Sergio Rodriguez, manager of Dessa's Community and Environments program. It was dated March 3rd, and it showed Berta, bloody, mouth open with her arms sprawled across the floor. In the end, seven people were found guilty of the murder of Berta Caceres, and a year later, they were finally sentenced. Four paid hitmen, Elvin Rapallo, Edelson Duarte Meza, Oscar Torres, and Henry Hernandez, each were given 34 years, and also sentenced 16 years for the attempted murder of Berta's friend, Castro. The environment's manager of DESA, Sergio Rodriguez, and a former DESA security chief, Douglas Bastillo, who was also an ex-U.S. trained Army lieutenant, were given 30 years and six months for their participation. Mariano Chavez was found guilty by omission and is now serving 30 years. He was a U.S. trained Special Forces Major. He also served with Bustillo. He wiretapped conversations, and those conversations suggested that Chavez participated by providing logistical support and a gun to kill Berta. He kept in contact with Bustillo for some time. Castillo was arrested on March 2, 2018. The public ministry keeps delaying his trial, with his most recent delay occurring October 10, 2019. Other than Berta's murder, he faces charges involving at least six Honduran corporations and possible involvement with a major drug cartel. Eight months after Berta's death, Castillo purchased a $1.4 million home in Texas. His fate remains unclear. Pretty much everyone in the operative network were charged and sentenced. None of the Atala family and specific executive officials were ever charged. The construction of the Aguazarca Dam has stopped, with some of the lenders pulling out after Berta's murder made worldwide television. But the license has yet to be revoked. Berta's murder halted the Aguazarca project, but failed to stop bloodshed. At least 24 environmental land defenders have been killed since 2015, and Honduras still remains one of the most dangerous countries in the world outside an official war zone. In Berta's own words, quote, The Army has an assassination list of 18 wanted human rights fighters with my name at the top of the list. I take lots of care, but in the end, in this country where there is total impunity, I am vulnerable. When they want to kill me, they will do it." End quote. Berta's murder was an extreme issue among activists, journalists, and the Linka people, but some argue that the years of coordinated corruption and violence against her, her cause, and other activists is the bigger problem, including the Atala executives of DESA and their allies that remain intact. Berta's achievements are a part of her legacy, 
In 2012, she was awarded the Shalom Award by the Society of Justice and Peace. She was a finalist in 2014 for the Frontline Defenders Prize. In 2015, she was highlighted as the emblem of the severe risks environmental activists by the international human rights organization, Global Witness. In 2015, she was awarded the Goldman Environmental Prize. Berta Cáceres is survived by her three daughters and one son. For those that have been waiting to hear today's episode, I'm so grateful for you. And for those that are new here, welcome to Snitch. This Wednesday's episode is about three different whistleblowers snitching on the powers that be. Follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Snitch Podcast for updates. My name is Aria Benz, and you're listening to Snitch. Snitch.